Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Mining industry is the foundation of our economy. It props up the standard of living that we have, that we enjoy in industrialized nations and emerging nations. And if you don't have the goods required to, um, you know, support that standard of living and support the energy transition, um, it represents a significant problem. And so from, you know, this, that, that's a bit of a niche view on the economy, but, you know, I think it's really important. And I think it's important that we invest and we invest now in exploration because these, you know, the mines, the mines that we need in the future, they take a lot of work. They, they take a lot of work to get into production. There's a long lead time in most cases. And so, you know, the time for that investment is now. Welcome back to another RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have first time guests, Mr. Troy Beausier, CEO of Alpha Energy Corp a mineral exploration company. Uh, Troy is an accomplished professional with an extensive experience in the uranium sector. And today he's joining us to share his thoughts on the economy, geopolitical concerns, as well as opportunities in the energy space. So Troy, welcome to RTD Interviews. Hey, Mike. Uh, appreciate being here. Um, glad to be here for the first time. Well, thank you, as always, for joining me and uh, looking forward to finding out more about uh, at the Energy. But before we do so, I'd like to give the viewers a chance to uh, just get your perspective on a lot of other things, because energy, of course, is crucial, and especially all the events unfolding right now. I think uranium is going to be uh, extremely important in the days ahead. Uh, but before we dive into Atha, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, basically the, the global macro economy. What are some things as a CEO, as well as an investor, I'm sure, uh, that probably perhaps concerns you about the current landscape? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll speak more specifically to our space and to the energy space. And, you know, I, energy right now, in my mind, is broken up into a couple of different things. It's conventional energy, um, and then it's the energy transition. Um, and on the energy transition side, you're really talking about critical minerals. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's the commodities required to, uh, in the instance of uranium, actually produce the energy, the, you know, low carbon to zero carbon energy. And then it's the metals that are required to meet the requirements of that transition uh, for battery storage, for, you know, pr production of goods uh, and, and electrification of the economy. And, you know, on that side, there, the part that, you know, is becoming nearly an existential risk, in my view, uh, um, is, uh, you know, supply demand gaps and production gaps that are coming up that, that are projected across 
uh, multiple commodities. So when you're talking, you know, uranium as a fundamental baseload power source, um, you know, supply demand gap, emerging production gap coming up. When you're talking about copper, you know, well documented, um, you know, supply demand gaps coming up. When you're talking about nickel, uh, and, and right now, you know, as a function of some of the depressed equity markets, um, the the amount of investment in exploration, which is the research and development arm of the mining industry. And, you know, the mining industry is the foundation of our economy, you know, the foundation of being able to, you know, it props up the standard of living that we have, that we enjoy in industrialized nations and emerging nations. And if you don't have the goods and services, if you don't have the goods required to, um, you know, support that standard of living and support the, you know, the, the energy transition, um, it represents a significant problem. And so from, you know, this, that, that's a bit of a niche view on, on the economy, but you know, I think it's really important, and I think it's important that we invest and we invest now in exploration because these, you know, the mines, the mines that we need in the future, um, they have a lot. They take a lot of work. They, they take a lot of work to get into production. There's a long lead time uh, um, in most cases, and so you know, the time for that investment is now. Right, right. Good point there. And I'm curious to get your thoughts also on uh, this, this transition you mentioned here, uh, dealing with mining and things of that nature for the commodity space. And so on top of that, you know, we have the you know, petroleum and oil. And so you typically need, you know, affordable oil prices to be able to then do the things you're looking to do in the mining space. And so with all the stuff happening, you know, in the Middle East, not the need to go into greater detail, but I assume with oil prices and that being a major concern for the future and oil and uranium tend to, you know, rise together. And there's a lot of concerns of oil prices out here, possibly uh, spiking some somewhat soon due to these events in the Middle East. Is that also something that might factor into the ability to get to the mining side of things for uranium and things like that? Yeah. On, on the, on the uranium side, you're absolutely right. They do, um, you know, energy, both, both energy commodities, right. Whether it's conventional energy, hydrocarbon based oil and gas, um, and uranium, you know, typically trend together, um, you know, from, from our perspective, from a, from a mining perspective, we, we actually need to hire uranium price. Uh, we need a higher uranium price to incentivize, uh, additional exploration, but we also need it to incentivize additional production to come online. Um, you know, a lot of the production that's needed to fill that uh, production gap that's emerging um, is is above um, is above the current commodity price, and so we need the we need price discovery in the commodity price uh, in, in the uranium price in order to. Um, make final investment decisions and investment decisions on projects, whether that's to turn projects back on that have been idled or, you know, make the decision to build new projects. So, you know, from a, it's a bit counterintuitive, but in, in the uranium space in particular, um, you know, it's something that, uh, that we welcome um, higher uranium prices. And, and I'll break that down a bit because, you know, when you, when you look at, when you look at oil and gas uh, prices, obviously the the cost of energy, barrel for oil, et cetera, directly affects end consumers. You know that that's you know I feel it when I go to fuel my truck up. Um, you know we feel it across the board um, in terms of inflationary pressure, et cetera. But with uranium, uh, uranium is actually a small uh, fraction of the operating cost of generating nuclear power. Um, it's under ten percent. Uh, so the, the, you know, relative to, uh, conventional energy production, where you're looking at commodity, um, prices, you know, in, impacting, uh, operating costs, you know, upwards of 75, 80%. 
So that, that's a big difference. So as a result of that, you can increase the cost of, of uranium significantly to incentivize new production coming online without actually materially impacting uh, the uh, the net cost or, or the ultimate cost of, of energy production out of nuclear reactors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, you mentioned the nuclear reactors. And so, you know, as I dive more and try to learn and understand uranium and energy in and of itself, I hear a lot about, you know, the fact that the U.S. doesn't have a lot or any newer nuclear uh, plants going online. But then again, we need that, especially with transition to a more clean energy environment. So I guess the evolution between uranium and nuclear energy over the last 10 years or so, how has it, I guess, evolved or not? Or is it, you know, where are we at currently in this cycle, in your opinion? Yeah. In, in Well, the U.S. is, the United States is the number one consumer of uranium globally um, at, at this point in time, you know, around 50 million pounds per annum. Um, is required to meet the domestic U.S. demands. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because there hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been any recent rebuilds or new builds, or pardon me, new builds, but policies have shifted recently. And as a result of that, um, reactor lives um, have been extended. And so, you know, if you go from a state where you're planning to shut down or decommission a reactor, um, invest the capital, sustaining capital required to keep the, you know, that unit of production online for another decade or two decades. Um, That in and of itself, when you look at the net benefit is actually very similar to building new reactors. But, you know, in addition to that, I I think one of the, one of the really interesting emerging trends in the, in the nuclear space is the emergence of new technology. And that new technology comes in the form of of what people call small modular reactors or micro reactors. Um, And, and those are a scaled down version um, of a nuclear reactor um, and uh, produce the same clean energy source, but, uh, you know, have the ability then to be um, more, more mass manufactured. Uh, so as a function of that, the cost will be lower for those units um, and they'll be commercially available coming towards the end of this decade. A company called New Scale, um, you know, just took an order for, I think, 26 reactors within, within the last month, uh, small modulars. So policy is changing, support is there, public sentiment is there. And, and I think the reason for that is people, people are realizing that um, to actually move into an energy transition environment where um, a lot of nations have net zero emissions and net zero, what I mean by that is, um, you know, the objective is to have uh, net zero carbon emissions. Uh, so to get to that stage, uh, the realization is it can't be done with wind and solar alone. Um, you know, that'll be a component of it, but it needs to be backstopped by a safe, reliable, sustainable uh, baseload energy source. Um, and nuclear power is that source, is that source that can get us through this energy transition. Interesting. Um, I was glancing at your website, uh, and you also mentioned that earlier the the deficit and what's what's currently being brought out of the ground and what's the the future expectation and needs will be. And I saw the little visual aid uh, on your uh, on your website there, showing basically the supply deficit moving into the future and how the gap widens to where 
the demand will be there, but then, the, then again, the supply necessarily may not be there. And the Askabaska Basin that you were going to hint at, I know I saw another map in that region, and it's ultimately rich uh, with, you know, uranium prospects there. And so I guess, you know, it's going to be a geopolitical race, you know, for the U.S. to supply that as well as you guys and other, other nations to want to get in there and extract that. And so I guess give us some of the key, I guess, you know, components about that region and why it's so hot right now in reference to what's potentially there. Yeah, as it relates to the energy energy transition and nuclear power, I think the Athabasca Basin is an absolutely um, key area globally. Um, in you know, I'm a technical guy by background, geologist by background, have, have worked throughout the Athabasca Basin, um, Australia, etc., in the uranium space for a lot of years. And in my opinion, uh, the Athabasca Basin is the number one jurisdiction for uranium whether it's exploration, mining, or development in the world. And there's, I'll break it down into three different reasons why. Um, the first reason is technical. So the the size and scale, so the grade and the scale of these uh, of the deposits in the Athabasca Basin is unparalleled. Uh, it's the highest grade, uh, largest highest grade uranium uh, deposits in the world. And, and we're not talking by a little bit. Um, we're, we're talking by an order of magnitude or more. Okay, so so you're looking at grades. Um, right now, Cigar Lake is mining uh, at a head grade, a production grade, around 16%. Um, you know, where the, the global average, when you look at it across the board and filter out the Athabasca Basin, you know, is about point, um, you know, about point zero, it's about 150 to 300 ppm, which is, or parts per million, which is 0 0.015 or 0 0.03, you know, 0 0.03 to 16%. Um, that's a big change, and, and that's a that that delta means that um, well, one the value of the, the value of the rock, the value of the ore in the Athabasca Basin is unparalleled globally, um, but also the efficiency then in which you can mine and produce increases. You know, you have a higher concentration of something, and then the ability to extract that with a minimal footprint um, and a minimal impact to the environment is significant. And so, you know, from a technical perspective, the Athabasca Basin, in my view, is the best place in the world. World, uh, best you know, best jurisdiction in the world for exploration and mining. But then you, you look at the you know we we had mentioned stability and geopolitical stability. Uh, Canada in general is a very stable nation. Um, within Canada, Saskatchewan I think would be the best jurisdiction within Canada even uh, to mine and extract uranium. Um, and you know that that's the support that we have by various level of governments is incredible. And then you know it's hey we've been mining we've been mining uranium for 70 years in the province. And so, you know, the, the, the expertise, the multi-generational expertise that exists um, within the workforce is, uh, again, I think unparalleled. I think you have the highest concentration of uranium expertise in the world in, in a small province of Saskatchewan in Canada. Uh, you know, that's, that's guys that are, you know, from geology, you know, guys and gals that are geologists or engineers right through to um, miners underground that understand how to mine and extract uranium safely. So, you know, for three reasons, you know, that's um, that's the technical, that's the size and scale and grade of the deposits. It, it's it's, uh, you know, political, geopolitical stability. And then um, the, the, the other one would be operational, just the ability to get it done. Um, for those three reasons, I think it's the best place in the world. All right, interesting. Now let's get into Atha Energy. And so I, I noticed you guys 
you know, pretty much acquired a nice large chunk of that particular region there uh, not too long ago. And you're doing some some pretty big things on there. So for those who may not be familiar, give us some of the origin story of Atha Energy and where you guys are at and what your future expectations are. Yeah, thanks. So Atha, you know, based off our view of, of the Athabasca Basin, which which, uh, which I just communicated, uh, you know, we we obviously have a view that it's the best place in the world to explore for uh, uranium and new uranium deposits. Um, as a function of that, um, we we started a company. Atha was built um, to to explore and discover in the basin. Um, we we uh, put together a land package. The founders of the company put together a uh, mineral exploration project package that is 3.4 million acres. Uh, 3.4 million acres is by far the largest land position within the Athabasca Basin. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we built a company to be able to um, extract the value um, out of that land position to be able to systematically explore across the entirety of the property basis, um, defining our highest priority targets and then testing those targets. And, you know, in order to do so, you need to kind of re-envision how um, exploration companies are built. Um, and, you know, with, with with the size of an asset base like that, the, the other thing you need is scale. You, you need capital markets expertise. You need access to capital. Uh, you need to have a strong balance sheet and you need to have the ability to um, execute on your exploration plans, um, you know, kind of in, in an undisrupted manner in order to give yourself the best opportunity to make a discovery. And, and that's how Ath is built. Um, we, uh, we have an extremely strong capital markets team as evidenced by um, having raised $40 million to date. Uh, to support the asset base, which in the in the mineral exploration space is a significant uh, significant capital raise um, for an initial capital raise. Okay, um, and then you know from there um, we have a strong technical team, we've got a strong cash balance, and we have we have a very dominant land position. Interesting, interesting. And so for I guess such a relatively you know smaller company, about a hundred million or so market cap, I guess how do you guys, how did you guys you know, you know score that big of a, a land mass? And then also I guess what's the you know future you know expectations to dip? I mean slowly but surely to really explore that region. Yeah, it, that's it's not easy, you know, to 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 pull together a land position um, that is that large, you know, three point four million acres uh, again, um, more than more than two times the next closest, uh, you know, company. And the, the only reason we were able to is through the skill of a couple guys that were the founders of the company. Um, they have a deep experience set within the Athabasca Basin um, and a track record, you know, through previous uranium cycles, um, they were responsible for building the foundational assets that went into a company called Hathor. Hathor transacted to Rio Tinto um, in, uh, you know, the, the, I think 2012 for about $640 million. Um, and then these two guys went to work after that, uh, pulling together the foundational assets for a company that became NextGen Energy. Um, and NextGen has, you know, Canadian right around a $4 billion market cap right now. Uh, then after that, um, that, that was in 2014, that discovery. And then after that, they spent about a decade in the in the doldrums of the uranium market when uranium prices were at decades lows, um, acquiring, you know, through staking, through acquisition, pulling together um, this land position kind of in, in the background when no one was really focused on it. It was a bit of a contrary, contrarian play um, and amass this land position. And then, you know, when the timing was right and, and you know, the based off of the macros that 
that we've talked about and the catalyst that we've talked about, um, the the timing was right right to bring this to market. And so got together with the capital markets team and brought it to market under the the Atha umbrella. And hey, we've only been um, you know we've got around 100 million dollar U.S. market cap and um, have only been trading since uh, since April 11th of this year. Interesting. Now, I'm curious to get you guys to get your thoughts. Uh, I guess I was reading through some of the uh, recent updated news and you had the large scale electromagnetic uh, results you know, back in. And so for those who may not be familiar, can you give us a little insight as to what that is and what did you guys find? And you know, what, what, give us some details about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, and it, it's ongoing. Um, so at exploration, I'll, I'll just back up a bit on our approach here. OK, so exploration, mineral exploration. Um, like table stakes, if you're in the right jurisdiction, which we are in the Athabasca Basin, if you're in the right jurisdiction, you're in the right geology, um, which we are, then exploration is a business of probability. Um, and, and through scale comes increased probability. So you increase probability of success through scale. And, you know, but understanding then you have to execute. Um, and, and that large EM program that you're talking about um, is the largest ever geophysical program of its nature ever conducted in the Athabasca Basin. Um, and, and the idea there is to baseline, uh, collect a baseline data set uh, across the, you know, the entirety of the land package that we operate um, and continue to then to screen down and, and focus in on priority areas from there. And, and what we're looking at is identifying um, prospective areas through conductive corridors um, that then we, we will continue our exploration approach. And our whole exploration approach is, you know, reducing uncertainty through data acquisition and getting the geoscience out in front of the capital spend. And as a result of that, what that does in turn is increased probability of discovery. And so this is a this is the initial stage of that. Um, and what we're seeing to date um, is is trending very much in line with our thesis it's what we expected to see either the results that we're seeing to date are generating targets on each project um and you know th then we will rank prioritize and sequence those targets um and pick the highest priority ones which for us to advance independently and so it, it's it's trending exactly in line with our approach and with our expectations um and you know we're 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 at a stage where we're on track for being uh, having drill ready targets um, defined by Q1 of 2024. Mm, interesting. interesting. Q1, Q2, so pardon me, Q2, half, okay. one, half one. Yeah, half one in, in the spring of 2024. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And so, Troy, I'm, I'm curious for those who might be coming across the energy space uh, for the first time, you know, give, give us some, I guess, some of the key uh, components to really discovering and to investigating and to researching and potential investment in, in companies for those who might be like wondering, I hear the details, I hear how good potentially things could be as a new investor into the space. You know, what are some things I should be concerned with or look for, or if you don't mind, just share with us. some Yeah, insights. absolutely. So a bit of a breakdown, obviously there's producers, right? There, there's producers, which are revenue generating and producing the, the product. I, I think the number one, um, you know, the, probably the go-to name, the most recognizable name in that space would probably be Chemical Corporation, a Saskatchewan-based company. And, the, and then you go down from there and you have the development stage companies. You know, Next Gen Energy, a company that I worked for for a number of years, um, has a fantastic deposit that they're moving forward into a, a, into a development stage. Um, and, you know, from there, then you get into another tier of companies, which are exploration companies. And exploration um, inherently, uh, you know, it, it, it carries exploration risk. Um, you know, the 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 
there is not a certainty that um, on exploration companies are going to discover um, a project um, and and an asset um, that is uh, that is that is significant to move forward into a development stage. However, when you're looking at that profile, um, you know the opportunity is proportional to risk. And what I mean by that is that the upside opportunity with an early stage ex exploration company that happens to make a discovery is is significant. And you know we're you know typically you talk about multiples, right? Right. Um, you, you can look back, you know, the next gen was was a new company um, in, you know, 2013, 2014, made a, made a discovery uh, November 14th, 2014, um, you know, as a sub hundred million dollar market cap company. Now they're a four billion dollar company. And so, you know, that that that's where the that's where the torque comes from within the um, you know, that's the attraction to the early stage exploration space. And, and, you know, it's, it's important, I think, that people um, understand, you know, the risks associated with it, but also with the risk comes the opportunities. Fair enough. That summarizes it quite well. And so, Troy, for those who might be interested, can you point them back to where they can find out more information as well as what your, what your guys' ticker symbol uh, is currently and just some any details to uh, conclude this interview? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good, good information, great information available on our website, um, athaenergy.com. Um, in addition to that, you can find us on, we trade on the uh, OTCQB, uh, domestic US, that's uh, S-A-S-K-F, it would be the ticker symbol. We also trade on the CSE, the Canadian Stock Exchange, which is with a symbol S-A-S-K. Um, and yeah, uh, have, you know, if people are, uh, there, there's channels there where you can reach out for additional information through, you know, info contacts on the website. Um, if they're interested, and we're always happy to, uh, you know, answer questions, jump on a call and explain the story in more detail. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, once again, Troy, thank you for joining us on RT Interviews and thank you for sharing uh, the details about Alpha Energy and looking forward to uh, following your progress and hopefully have you on in the future and see where you guys are at, at that point. And hopefully, you know, of course, get some good news of, as always. So thanks yeah. again for joining us on RTD Interviews. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity.